0: Hi. Welcome to our slash malicious compliance. Before we start, I just want to thank everyone for listening and for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Story time. Fire me because I did my job? Okay. Hope you don't need all of these supplies. Story by Punk Tyrannosaurus. I love taking photos of people. To the point that I have two resumes for applying for jobs and one of them is specifically for photography work. So I was psyched when I got a job in a photo studio. It was a chain and it wasn't like high quality work, but it was still awesome. I took a lot of photos of very cute babies in particular. Well, the company had a three strike policy. Once there were three issues with you, you were gone. They made you sign off on every single one of the reports. It didn't matter how late it was that you got your next strike, they never went away. Okay. Doesn't seem like a great business model, but okay. And being fair, I did get two strikes which were very reasonable. One day I missed work because I forgot to set an alarm. It was a super irregular schedule and it wasn't always easy to keep track of. Mea culpa. The next strike happened because I scheduled a photoshoot before the beginning of a shift accidentally. The program was supposed to only show you times that an employee would be available for doing photoshoots, and they changed our hours with very little warning, so the photoshoot that I had scheduled the week before that would have been within our hours was no longer. I felt super bad for the mom and daughter who came in early for their photos and helped them sort everything out with a free photo redemption and apology. I still got my second strike for that. Now the last strike. I actually got two on the same day. Around Christmas, our store goes nuts. We have to have twice as many people working in order to keep everything in order. During that, I was training a new employee, and helping with her photo shoots and my own and running cash and taking passport photos and teaching her the rules for them and an and it was a nightmare. What made it worse was that one customer submitted two complaints that day about me. See, this customer felt I was pushing her to buy photos. Literally, all this company cares about is pushing the photo packages and I was instructed relentlessly to do it more and with more energy because I didn't make enough people feel they had to have them. So. Great. I convinced a customer to spend money instead of just giving them free things and not getting a dollar from them. Like the company was always yelling at me to do and I got a complaint about that. Great. And then the other complaint was even more ludicrous the customer felt I was being too bossy with the other photographer. The one that I was training. The one that didn't know how to do the job yet so I had to tell her how to do things. Apparently, I deserved to be fired for telling her how to do things. I was heartbroken. It's been a few years now so I've gotten over it, but I was so happy working as a photographer. But here's where the malicious compliance finally kicks in. See, By my nature, I end up doing a lot of work that isn't actually my job because I want to help. I enjoy feeling useful. But they're firing me because they don't want me to sell things, or train people, like they had told me to do. So for the last two weeks of my job, I stopped counting all of the money for deposits. That was the manager's job even though she hadn't done it in half a year since making me do it. This meant she had to come in on days that she didn't work just to do the deposit. I stopped actively recruiting customers, which is what you're supposed to do in your downtime, cold call previous customers and prowl around the attached small for people you can convince to get photos. The best tactic was always to find people with new young ones, tell them how beautiful their baby is, offer them a free print of one of the photos after a shoot. Almost no one passes that up because then they have a wonderful photo to hold on to. I didn't feel guilty doing it because it genuinely makes people happy. I stopped taking meticulous notes of every interaction that was worth following up on. I used to make a note for the next shift about how ex-customer had seemed interested but was unconvinced and that a simple reminder of the offer would probably be enough to get them to buy. Or I would make a note about someone who forgot their passport photos and whether or not they had paid already. And then on my last day, the truest malicious compliance happened. They wanted me gone. Okay. I took my name tag and packed it away. I went into the photo studio and grabbed the kids toys I had brought in to help get the young ones to cooperate. Babies don't really understand a stranger saying smile for the camera, but if you shake a rattle at them and make silly faces, they're very good at smiling for that. I cleaned up all of the things I had laid out neatly for easy preparation and put them back in storage. I cleaned up the counters to get rid of all of the notes and passport photos that weren't claimed that day because that was what we were technically supposed to do. And then came the real part that this title refers to over my nine months working there. A number of issues had come up with the things we worked with. For the passport photos, we needed a paper trimmer to slice off the edges quickly and neatly. We had one when I started and then it broke. I brought in a replacement. It got broken too. Still, we needed one, so I brought in another replacement. We also had gotten our stapler stolen. No worries, I had one at home we could use. And the keys to the storage, the extra receipt paper, the passport paper, where we keep the deposits, where we keep our paper files they were tiny. And the color of them was so bland that throughout the course of the day, they would get lost easily 30 times. I bought a large blue fluffy keychain to attach to it with permission from the boss. Never lost the keys again, not one of us. We also had a sign when I started there that we could pop out which said I'm in a photo shoot, please be patient I'll be with you in a moment. Or something along those lines. Because there was often only one employee at a time and they had to do the photo shoots and all of the passport photo drop-ins. Well, my boss accidentally dumped her coffee on that sign after she tripped one day. So I went out of the way to get a new one printed, bought a plastic sleeve for it, and set it up with a cardboard backing so it wouldn't break or get ruined. It was better than the old one. So of course, when I left, I took my sign, my keychains, my paper trimmer, my stapler, my toys, and notably, my shutter button. See the camera had a shutter button attached that would allow you to move about while snapping photos. Again, Helped with little ones because they don't understand directions so you have to be able to physically draw their attention somewhere. This cord had gotten frayed and not replaced. It shocked me nasty enough to leave a burn, so I took it off the camera and brought my own in. I got a call the next day asking me how dare I steal the company supplies. I calmly replied that I had just taken back the items that belonged to me. And that they could keep the broken paper trimmer that I had brought in. I even left them a pair of scissors I brought for a backup when the first paper cutter broke. I even brought them a box of paper clips for use since they didn't have a stapler anymore. The store closed down not two months later. Crazy how when you fire your hardest worker over things that you told them to do, and one missed shift, mea culpa. Other employees are less than enthused about the chance of the same thing happening. And no one else worked nearly as hard to keep everything in the black as I did. Not to say there's anything wrong with that. I liked everyone except the manager, since it was only two other employees, and they did their work well and treated me nicely they just had a better sense of doing what they were paid for and nothing else. Edit, people have raised questions about why I worked two weeks after being fired. Simply enough there was no one to cover my shifts. One employee was in China celebrating New Year's with her grandparents, one was working on her own photos which became her gallery show, and the manager would be very very over 40 hours if she worked my shifts too. And I needed the money and wanted to say goodbye to some of the kids and parents whom I took photos of every month. Relatively common, A lot of them wanted photos of their babies as they grew and changed. Though this has reminded me of one sweet thing they told me so thanks for questioning all. One of the families said they wouldn't be rebooking next month then because no one else had gotten their kid to take such nice photos. It felt awesome. It's been 6 years so I had forgotten about that. Edit 2, just another torturous tidbit about this company they kept every studio temperature the same as corporate. Corporate was in a very different climate area. It was almost always either meltingly hot all summer or freezing cold in winter. Edit 3, it has been brought to my attention repeatedly that a shutter release cord does not have enough power to do that much damage which leads me to believe that one of the commenters who suggested it may have been an issue with the flash setup in the studio is probably right that I was just completing the circuit. All I know was that it hurt like a bitch, and that it stopped happening after the cord was replaced. Now it seems likely that it just stopped happening because I was then no longer in contact with another good conductor like metal. Run material that will damage the machine? You're the boss. Story by Sikar 22 Pretty long story. TLDR, factory-level engineer forced to run a bad experiment, does a bunch of damage to equipment, and costs a lot of money. This happened about 10 years ago. I was working as an industrial process engineer for a major company. My duties were varied in many. Some days I was an auditor of equipment condition. For others, I would try to unravel how waste or scrap was created. Still others I would be the designated smart guy in the room to listen to plans the factory came up with and give them an engineering seal of approval. The most enjoyable things I did were trials, which were basically science experiments with industrial value. For example, a trial might involve changing a chemical in the material, following it through the process, and testing it at every point. If it passed everything to satisfaction, we'd begin the process to make it the permanent process in the material we would sell. Running trials was my favorite thing to do, I wasn't a manager, but when I was running a trial I had give or take unquestioned authority over the process and the people to run it as I saw fit. I ran hundreds of them a year, and I was good at it. One day I got called into a voice call between myself, about 5 engineers in a downstream department I didn't know very well, and a new corporate engineer that I had never met. I had a very good relationship with my contacts at corporate, We always had a good back and forth on how to improve the process at the factory and they provided the chemical experience I didn't have or couldn't perform at the factory level. This call, however, was different. There was no debate, I was told in forceful terms that my product was not sticky enough downstream for their purposes and we needed to make it more sticky. He had outlined four different ways to make it stickier and the only choice I would get to make would be one to try first. I was pretty confused at all this. I told him that, from my standpoint, the material was already too sticky. It was difficult to process on my equipment without sticking to everything, and any time it did we would get scrap or bad product which we'd sometimes send downstream which created even more waste and scrap. I was trying to work with my corporate chemist to make it less sticky, not more. I also said that the material would naturally lose stickiness over time. On the first couple of days it was a pretty sticky mess, but after that, it would be at a good level we would guarantee that it would be sticky enough to use for at least seven days which was confirmed by audits. After seven days it might become not sticky enough, but we made the material every two or three days. If it was sitting around more than seven days, it was on their end, they were probably breaking policies somehow, such as taking material out of the machine when changing over but putting a fresh bunch of material in next time so they wouldn't have to change a half batch and they could do less work. This type of problem wasn't a chemical problem. It was a logistics and manning problem and making the chemistry worse to solve it wasn't going to fix the bigger issues. But I was outnumbered like six to one on the call. They said all that didn't matter, that they were the customer and their customer was telling them to fix a problem, and they expected me to do it. I'd never been treated like that at the company, and I have to say I didn't appreciate it. A few days later, I got a corporate trial scheduled for me, though I use the term loosely. It was an amateur effort at best. It didn't include standard vital information. For example, it requested a sample but it didn't say how much, how many, or to whom to send it. This was vital to make sure those who would test it got enough to complete their tests. The company was big, they had a dozen factories and maybe 50 plus trials at those factories at all times, so stuff just couldn't show up at the lab and get handled properly. There was also no shipping information. I didn't handle company money internally, so corporate would prepay shipping and send me the information so I could ship them samples. There were 5 or 6 other mistakes and omissions it was clearly a trial that wasn't out of the planning stages. I briefly told my boss all of this, that this trial wasn't good for our department, that this wasn't where I was going with the material chemically, and that the trial as planned was missing vital information. He sort of nodded and that was good enough for me. So, I did what I very, very rarely had to do, I rejected the trial on behalf of the plant. I'd only had to do it a few times before, and those were with corporate mutual approval that we'd design a different, Better trial and the one I was rejecting was the first draft. This was the first and I believe last time I had to reject a hostile trial that I was openly opposed to existing. I was happily not remembering the whole incident a few weeks later when I see the same trial pop up for me again. I'm irritated. I go to my boss, but this time this corporate guy had contacted my boss to complain, and my boss wants me to run it. I remind him of what I told him last time and he says to run it anyway. I say I can't, it's not even ready and he tells me to work with a corporate engineer to get the holes filled but we have to run the thing. I should talk about this boss for a moment. During my three years at the company, I had seven different bosses. Some of them were very competent and I lost as a boss due to reorgs, them resigning, or in one case one died due to an unrelated condition. Other bosses were filler bosses, someone I reported to until the next candidate could be filled. But this current boss was the worst of the seven by a long shot. He was someone who apparently had excelled at corporate and they'd sent him down to fill the engineering manager role in my department. We all disliked him. He had no knowledge of our department whatsoever. My entire work was a write-off to him. He was busy counting material we could ship so any of the processing stuff I did upstream was far out of his interest despite literally being in charge of it and me. Also, instead of someone from our department being promoted to this manager role they'd sent us a corporate guy. Bad times. I ignored him the best I could, only looping him in if I had to make important decisions. I could sometimes go weeks without talking to him and those were fine weeks for me. Anyway, I didn't reject the trial this time, but I leave it hanging with my approval. I email the guy all of my concerns with the trial and the questions he has to answer before I can run it. I'm very professional, and non-judgmental, just saying what I need in order to run the trial. No response to that email, of course. A few days later my boss is livid. He says this corporate guy has been saying that our department is obstructionist, rude, and negative and that I need to approve and run the trial now. I remind them of all the issues, that would increase our scrap, slow us down, and possibly damage equipment, to say nothing of the vague and incomplete trial requirements. He doesn't care. I'm an engineer, he pays me to figure this stuff out. I need to get this corporate guy's material. He heavily implied my job was in danger over all this. So, I say, okay. I approve of the trial. And we finally get to the malicious compliance. I ask a colleague to prepare the material for me. He reports that it was a nightmare and that he had to do it manually and even then he lost two batches before the third finally was ready for me. This alone would have caused to stop the trial. Remember that we are preparing industrial processes here, it doesn't matter if we can do it once, we have to create a process that will work every day for years. So, this type of failure means the material isn't ready. But not this time. Oh no. We have to get this guy material. And I have big plans. Once I have the material, I look to when to schedule the trial. Normally I am considerate of the manufacturing demands, scheduling my trials when we are ahead on what is needed downstream. Not this time. I find what we have the lowest of and bump it from the schedule, putting my trial in the spot instead. 100% a dick move, but it's my job on the line at this point, so I'm taking no prisoners. We start running the trial on my equipment. It's sticking to all the preparation areas. It's a huge mess, just as expected. We have to keep stopping the machine to scrape stuff for free. Again, this would have been another failure condition. We keep going. We have some sensors that sort of float on the material as it goes along. But the material is too sticky. It's grabbing and twisting the sensors and bending their arms. I can see some of the damage will be permanent. After this trial, they'll need to have some machine work done on them to fix them. Totally unacceptable but we press on until one of them breaks off completely. Now I have metal, plastic, and electronics in my material. This isn't just a failed trial, it's now a mockery of what trials are. There's no way we can use any of this material for any reason. But nope, corporate needs material. We have an area that ensures an even flow of material. But it's too sticky, it's clumping up instead of flowing. So the material we're making is uneven, very heavy on one side, and with nearly none on the other side. At this point we're not even making bad material, we're making pure scrap. I tell them to keep going. Through this process, the machine operators are getting vexed and call their area bosses, and also engineering and maintenance get involved because of the damage. Everyone is asking me what I'm doing. I tell them that this is authorized by my boss and that I have to run it and direct all complaints to him. That's all I say every time, just name drop my boss. In the post-processing area, The unevenness of the material combined with the stickiness of the material is starting to pull on the rollers that straighten it out in weird ways. Everyone is getting concerned we might have to do a whole realignment, which is a slow process that takes three or four days. I eventually relent and allow them to stop the trial. Nothing ever made it to the end of the process. Normally we make tilde 2,000 pounds of material in a run. We made zero. Not that it would have been usable in any way. The operators have the unenviable job of trying to get this crap off the machine. We were down for the rest of the day, about 5 hours of machine time, to clean and fix and replace damaged sensors. But I have more work to do on my end. I cut various samples of this horrific mess, some of the heavy areas, some of the light. I find a piece of that sensor embedded in there and get a sample of that too. Just frankly a ridiculous amount of material. It's too much to carry, but I'm not worried. I have an industrial vehicle to drive around in these cases. And I still have a plan. I briefly entertained sending some of these samples to our testing lab. That's standard procedure during trials, to test them at the plant level as much as we can. But this is malicious compliance and I know it. The lab equipment is pretty sensitive. If this sticky crap pulls on it in the wrong ways, it could break the testing equipment and that would shut down the whole factory. I don't actually want that. I'm pretty sure I'm making my point as is but I keep a sample for myself, just in case testing becomes a thing I need to do later. I take my two heavy samples to ship. I never got shipping information. But I did find the address of this guy's office in the building. He'll get this gigantically heavy package that he can't carry delivered to his mail area. And I don't have shipping paperwork, but I do have the address of a private van shipping company. We used them in the past when the regular mail was too slow, when we were worried about a major defect and needed to get material to corporate ASAP. It turned out to be a false alarm, it costs much, much more than just shipping this normally, but I have no actual another way to ship it so I use the one tool I have available. I've been avoiding going back to the office for a few hours and when I do, as expected, my boss has been barraged by visitors and phone calls about what went down. I tell him of the difficulties in detail and, as unsarcastically as I can muster, apologize for not risking a roll alignment and having to stop the trial early. I show him the horrible sample of the material I kept for myself. He's still pretty mad, but I give him one thing that helps a lot. Because there was one important thing on that amateur trial request, since he couldn't create the request without one, a billing account number. I give him the number and say the plant should charge it with anything related to the trial. Not just the damages, but any downtime due to lost production from material shortages. I estimate the total cost of the whole venture somewhere between $20,000 and $30,000. But it could be more, I'm not sure how much downtime was directly caused by this. I did keep my job though, so I guess that billing account helped ease the pain for the factory. Maybe not on the corporate side, but they did want their trial. About a week later I have my follow-up with the six people that confronted me in the first place. I tell them of the unmitigated disaster that was this trial and my estimation of the damages. This guy has the nuts to say something like, excellent work, we've proven we can move the needle on stickiness if we want to. I can't help but think, I'm a chemist, nuts, moving the needle was never a question he asks me which of the three remaining trials I want to do next. I tell him that I don't need to worry about the details, and ask him to email my boss and ask him which he thinks is best, which he thought was a wonderful idea. My boss never mentioned a follow-up trial and no corporate trials from that guy were scheduled for me. About two months later my boss resigned from the company quietly and quickly. He was clearly miserable in his role, and I know that this whole mess helped contribute to it. Thank you for tuning in to listen to these stories, and I hope to see you on the next one. Till then, have an amazing day.